living by this rule of life, this rhythm of life that invites me into practices, that awakens me to a deeper sense of God's love for me is so freeing, is such a gift, and is, is healing. It, it moves me toward wholeness. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Who has too much to do? Who has a long, never-ending to-do list that you never get done? Me too. It seems as if we all have way too much to do, and the only way to do all of the things we have to do is by hurrying. But what if there's a cost to all this hurrying we're doing? What if instead of gaining, we're actually losing something essential? Our guest today asks us to consider what if in this hurry we're cutting ourselves off from love, joy, peace, from experiencing God's presence. Ronald Rollheiser calls it pathological busyness. A.L. Swoboda in Subversive Sabbath says, we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. Wow. And Dallas Willard said this, Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There is nothing else. Walter Adams, spiritual director of C.S. Lewis, said it this way, To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Our guest today would agree. Pastor and best-selling author Ken Shigematsu is the senior pastor of 10th Church in Vancouver, British Columbia, one of the largest and most diverse city centre churches in Canada. He's the author of the international bestseller, God in My Everything, and his most recent book is called Survival Guide for the Soul. And what's his main survival tip? He offers us a pause button that we can hit any time. Well, of course, no, it's not an actual red one that you push that sits on your desk, obviously. But seriously, did you know that God has already given us a pause button? Ken points out that God has given us a way to access rest in even the most challenging times. Through the secret power we have, something he learned from monks in Ireland. I can't wait for you to hear from him. He is a humble and generous guide who shares very practical ways we can all eliminate hurry from our lives and experience the peace and joy and light that God has always intended for us. Also, you'll enjoy learning the difference between a rule and a rule. So on that cliffhanger, without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Ken Shigematsu. My name is Ken Shigematsu. I'm originally from Tokyo, Japan, but was raised primarily in Canada. I am the pastor of a multi-ethnic, multi-site church here in the city of Vancouver. I'm also a husband to Sakiko and a father to a teenager, 14-year-old named Joey. 
When I was in my 20s, I was working in the corporate world in Japan as what they called a 7-Eleven man. And that meant that my workday went from 7 in the morning till 11 at night, including the commute time. So life was pretty crazy. I was often feeling jet lagged even when I wasn't traveling. When I eventually became a pastor here in Vancouver, I thought things would settle down for me and, and slow down, but I found myself keeping almost the same hours, and I felt like I was constantly treading water. One of the red flags that I was uh, overworking and sleep-deprived was being in a conversation with someone after lunch. It was sort of a pastoral counseling situation. A woman was uh, seated in front of me. I was on a couch and my eyes started to get really heavy and, and they started closing and she blurted out, are you falling asleep? And I said, no, I'm, I'm praying for you. I was actually uh, dozing off and I just wasn't getting enough sleep. And right around this really crazy busy time, uh, my mentor Leighton Ford invited me to join him on a pilgrimage to the holy places of Ireland. Uh, I'd never been to Ireland. It wasn't technically the old country for me, but I was really eager for a change of scenery and a change of pace. And so uh, I went with Leighton and we visited some of the ancient holy places of Ireland, the monasteries. And from the monks, we learned about a way of life that they described as a rule of life that enabled them to experience God as alive and real, not just when they were bowing their knees in a chapel to pray, but as they were working out in the fields, as they were studying in the library, as they were preparing a meal in a kitchen. And I was hungry to experience God as alive and real in every part of my life. And so when I returned to Vancouver, I began to put into practice some of these simple habits I learned from the monks. Uh, what they described as a rule of life or a rhythm of life. And, and these um, practices went on to really change my life over time. I think that some people are put off by the phrase rule of life because they just don't like the word rule. They feel it sounds too restrictive or too rigid, but don't let the word itself scare you off because uh, the way the monks use the word rule is different from the way you and I use the word rule. When monks use the word rule, they're referring to one of the ancient original root meanings of the word, which simply means trellis. Trellis is simply a structure uh, that supports a grapevine so that pests don't eat it up, so that it can receive more sunlight, so that it can be guided and pruned, so that it produces more delicious grapes and better wine. And a rule of life is simply a way of life that supports our most life-giving friendship of all, our friendship of Jesus Christ, so that we receive more of his sunlight in our life, so that our lives are, are guided by his wisdom, pruned and simplified, so that we bear more of the fruit of his love, joy, and peace in our lives. It's really important not to see this uh, rule of life or a rhythm of life as some kind of performance. So for example, I'm a very easily distracted person. At any given time, I can feel like there are 137 chimpanzees jumping around in my brain. And so someone suggested that I might try meditation just to take some time to the beginning of my day to, to breathe deeply in through my nose and exhale slowly. I can be very easily distracted in my uh, meditation. And Thomas Keating, who was a very wise monk, said, if you are distracted 10,000 times while you're meditating, 
that represents 10,000 times to be able to turn back to the Lord. And so uh, it's really important not to see your rhythm of life, any spiritual practices that you might engage in as a performance, but simply as a way to turn to the Lord. When I write about prayer or teach about it, you know, some people might initially think, well, prayer is you talking for a long time to God. But I describe prayer a little differently. There's a story told by an Indian Jesuit where a little fish is swimming down a river into the big ocean. And he sees this big fish and swims up to the big fish and says, Mr. Big Fish, can you tell me where the ocean is? And the big fish looks at the little fish and says, yeah, you're in it. And the little fish looks disappointed and says, no, 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 this is just water and, and swims away. And we are in the water of God's presence all the time. And so prayer isn't so much a checkbox. It's about pausing and awakening to the wonder of God's presence. And so any way that we can learn to do that, sometimes I'll set a chime on my watch to chime on the hour just to remind me to pause and to remember that life is a gift given to us by God. When I first started embracing a Sabbath practice, which is part of my own rule of rhythm of life, I, I was trying to set aside roughly 24 hours to not work and not do anything related to my work. But I found that I was thinking about work, I was restless. On my Sabbath, I was often thinking about my to-do list and things I ought to be doing. But as I continued to observe Sabbath week after week, Sabbath became a day that I look forward to and a day when my internal clock naturally slowed and I became more mindful of God, the most important people in my life, my family, and and the things that that bring me life. Uh, And for me, that includes running through the forest trails with our golden retriever, uh, maybe taking a, a walk along the ocean. So yeah, Sabbath was hard at the beginning, but it has proven to bring life and bear fruit for me. I have a sense of joy and delight and time seems to slow down. I'm not ruminating on the past. I'm not worrying about some future goal. I'm just in the moment. And I believe that God wants us to live in such spaces because that's the way God relates to us. God doesn't love us because of some benefit that we provide Him with. He doesn't want us to be anxiously living in the past. He wants us to enjoy his love for us in this present moment. And there's something about play that helps us to live in the present moment and to savor God's wonder and and love over us. This is a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible called Daniel and the Scary Sleepover. King Darius liked how clever Daniel was. So he made Daniel his most important helper of all and put him in charge of a lot of other helpers. But the other helpers didn't like this. They wanted the king to like them best. They tried to find things wrong with Daniel, but they couldn't find anything at all. Except every day, three times a day, Daniel went to his room, closed the door, and prayed. They smiled to themselves. Let's get the king to make a law. No one is allowed to pray to anyone except the king. The king liked their idea. He didn't know they were tricking him. So he made it into a law. Daniel heard this. 
He knew it was wrong to pray to anyone except God. So Daniel went to his room, closed the door, and prayed. And so the king let the soldiers throw Daniel to the lions. At the first glimmer of dawn, he ran straight to the den. Daniel, he cried, has your God rescued you? Yes, Daniel shouted. The king made a new law. Daniel's God is the true God, the God who rescues. Pray to him instead. In this passage, I see Daniel as this really courageous person. He realizes that it's against the law. It's a capital offense, a crime punishable by death if he prays. And yet he prays anyway. As Daniel is praying, he's actually in the so-called atmosphere of God's presence. So he is inhaling the very breath, the very spirit of God. So he can't help but become like God, uh, courageous, wise, powerful, and loving. And so as uh, we spend time in God's presence in prayer, whatever that looks like for us, we will be inhaling the very breath of God. And so we will become like God too, courageous, wise, loving, powerful. Whoever God is, will become like that. We'll become like Daniel. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at Sally Lloyd Jones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.